Hello there, and welcome to Star Wars Warts and All, a podcast where we discuss all the things we love about Star Wars Warts and All. My name is Will, and joining me again are my good friends Ben. Hello. Bill. Hi. And Chris. I've got a really good feeling about this. <laughs> nice. Well, fuel up your YT-1300 light freighters with some coaxium, because today we're talking about Solo, a Star Wars story. What do you think? Well, what do you know? You got a line on a ship? Yeah, I know a guy. He's the best smuggler around. I heard a story about you. I was wondering if it's true. Everything you've heard about me is true. Yes. <laughs> L3! Let's go with a mean man's face. Who are these guys? If you come with us, you're in this life for good. Might wanna buckle up, baby. Okay, so we're back to rewatching movies. Which is, I guess, fifty percent of what this podcast is about. <laughs> we ever Correct. Until we run out of movies. Wow. Yeah. It's up to Disney to keep pumping them out. Solo is Star Wars story, so Timeline-wise, we're doing this one first because it takes place before Rogue One. It's the movie that comes first after Episode 3 and the Rise of the Empire, but before A New Hope. So does, does anybody know in the timeline, how many years before Battle of Yavin is this set? I think I saw it was 10 years. For the bulk of it, right? Like the actual... Uh... Timeline-wise, the film starts off seven years after Revenge of the Sith. Oh, so that would be 10 years before... Then it jumps three years, I think. After, yeah, Han, after the... Han is about 19 when the film starts, and then he's 22 by the time he makes the Kessel Run. So we're talking only like seven okay. years before the events of A New Hope. Then. So yeah, for most of the events, right, after he he flees Corellia, it jumps three years. Yeah, I was to, wondering so, that. Yeah. So. Okay, so that, that's good to know. So it's like seven, seven years before we see him, we see Han Solo, Harrison Ford in A New Hope. Actually, I remember that now, you know, it was the 10-year thing, talking about, like, how much this character needs to change in 10 years to suddenly look like Harrison Ford. But we're just going to ignore all that nonsense because we're coming from a place of understanding that these characters are more than just the actors. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. I also think the casting was actually good, though, Yeah. Too. We should talk about that. I think that's probably where we're going to spend a lot of our time, really, is yeah. just talking about how good the casting was. Because I, I am a huge fan of all these characters, and... Uh, hope to see more from them. But, unfortunately, this movie famously did not perform very well. And even though it may have set itself up for sequels, um, nothing yet has come of that. Yeah, Ron, I think that's probably why. Ron Howard was asked in an interview if they had sequels set up, and he said they made it as a standalone movie not to have sequels. Maybe a Lando movie down the line, or a Lando TV show down the line. But nothing more to come from this and that was before the film even came out yeah and that could be true although some of that could be backpedaling because of the kind of production woes that they right. went through um because obviously it's a ron howard film in the end but it was originally going to be directed by phil lord and chris miller who are the directors of the 21 jump street movies yeah. and uh lego movie probably most famous for and then they, after the fact, they produced uh, Into the Spider-Verse. They're, they're pretty involved in that. It, um, it's too bad, though, because I, I would actually, after rewatching it, I would really enjoy seeing Alden... Alden Ehrenreich? Ehrenreich, yeah. yeah Alden Ehrenreich yeah. play Han again. I really enjoyed his performance. I think he did a great job. 
And I, I actually really like this Han. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't count him out. I feel like yeah, there will be more down the line, I, I think. Yeah, in some capacity. You just got to get him and Chewie, really, have some more adventures yeah, this with was, them. Yeah, this was a great Chewie movie, too. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to bring back everybody. You could just do, you know, some little side stories. And it still could happen uh, in, in any capacity. Who's Like, we might not get a movie, but we, we still might get these actors to return in some capacity. Lando, you know, obviously is the one that's been confirmed. I don't think it's been confirmed that it's Donald Glover, but they're making a Lando show, and here you have a Lando to use. Right. Um, well, and, and he was in the popular. movie, I noticed he was... He started making the Lando Chronicles or Calrissian Chronicles. <laughs> Calrissian Chronicles, yeah. It's just setting the... Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Calrissian Chronicles, chapter five, continued. Personally, I wasn't all that impressed with the Cheru. No sense of humor or style. That would be interesting mm-hmm. to play into the show, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. So, actually, while we're talking about the actors, I think from what I've been able to kind of, like, put together because we're with with these star wars production stories you know about the issues that are you know you have that the filmmakers have with disney or or whatever it might be i don't think you're ever going to get a true like clear picture of how it goes down but from what i've heard and having seen other work of phil lord and chris miller the original directors a lot of the buzz was that they were really pushing for like different takes and kind of improvisational performances from the actors, and it kind of led to things just getting away from them. But here's the thing that I've kind of settled on. You've got these actors who can pull it off, that you've got a guy who can do a Han Solo and do it well, and he's and he doesn't do it as like an impression, you know what I mean? Like he just kind of like... Yeah, it's still... He just captures the feel yeah, of Han Solo. It's still Solo. his Han. He knows the character. Yeah. Right, and character. same with Donald Glover performing yes. Lando. It's like his take on Lando, and it works really well, in my opinion. But if you then tell these actors, okay, so so keep being Han Solo, but now just improvise. So I'm not going to tell you what to say, but now you need to make up something that Han Solo would say and say that thing. That is a much bigger challenge, right? right? you got to figure. That's like asking a es- whole other... Especially for a... He's relatively unknown at this point. Right. Yeah. I mean, Donald Glover is famous for right. Im- improvisational stuff. So that's that's another thing. I feel like he was cast for that reason by these directors. They're the ones who cast the actors, Lord and Miller. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like they had something in mind. Somebody was was not being truthful. I think uh, it was either Disney saying that yeah you can you can kind of have fun with this you can do your own thing. But then later when they saw, I think what happened was they just saw the the dailies you know like the what was being filmed and they just didn't like what they were seeing. Which is a totally legit reason to. Yeah, when there's that much money on the line. Why would you want to improvise over what was, you know, Lawrence Kasdan was involved? He's like the A number one dude when it comes to Han Solo. Why would you want to throw his script out out of the window and just start with, you know, whatever you want to say? Yeah, I think ultimately that was something Disney was was really. They were backing Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote the script with his son, Jonathan. Um, But Lawrence Kasdan, for anybody who doesn't know, wrote. Empire Strikes Back, which is the Han Solo movie, right? Like right. We've talked yeah. about that before. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. But I think they're also, at the same time, trying to make it a little bit more comedic and funny and trying to get that kind of crowd. Because I feel like a lot of the improv- improvisation of Donald Glover was perfect, but that's also because he's a comedy writer. Yes, right. And I, I bet there's scenes in this, and again, we'll never know, but I bet there's scenes in this that were more improv- improvisational uh, between the actors. Because Ron Howard didn't, 
he couldn't have thrown out everything right. that was shot. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I've I've heard rumors though that he did reshoot something like seventy percent of the movie once he came on. Oh, I heard more. Yeah, yeah it could even be more than that. But I, I, it's it's almost fun to when you're rewatching it, kind of think like, oh, you know what? I, I feel like there's the scene when Han and Kira are talking in the closet. Foolproof. Well, it better be. I. You go first. <laughs> no, what were you gonna say? I want to tell you so much. And I want to know everything that's happened to you since Corellia. Well, I, I'm not sure we have that kind of time. We could. I, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm just guessing. But I feel like there's there's definitely those moments where um, you can see. Yeah, I feel like the L3 character, uh, droid. Another improv. Yeah, she's another writer. Well, uh, she's a comedian, yeah. Yeah, comedic yeah. writer. Yeah, I feel like yeah. her entire character was just... Yeah, an empty script. Whatever she Just, wanted to say, she said it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm gonna go check on the dentist. You need anything? Equal rights? She's kind of hit or miss uh, for me. Uh, yeah, I, generally yeah. I'm not the biggest fans of the droids with overdone personalities. That's her, me. Her personality is overdone, but her character isn't over... Used. Like it's not over, no. overdone in the film. I feel right, so. Yeah. So it, it does kind of balance okay for me in the end. Yeah, she so. wasn't in the whole movie. Yes, right. you know, and she having a very important part. In, you know, right. by the end of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it also yeah, which I thought was a neat little touch. She mm-hmm. also served to show that like Lando's character wasn't two dimensional as well. Yeah, I feel like the only characters in this movie that didn't have improvisation was Dryden Voss and uh, Kira. I think a lot of the characters, any improv stuff was probably not used for the final film because they wanted to stick more closely to that script that was uh, written by the Kazans. I do think that the unfortunate outcome of of all that was to just feed into this beast that is the toxic internet. Yes. Which ultimately led to a lot of like... I don't know, low expectations, maybe? I don't yep. I mean, this is there was that. part of my theory as to why the movie did so poorly. Because when you actually go and watch the movie, like, it's a great movie. Yeah. There's someone I work with who is a big hater on, on all the new Disney stuff. But he, when he finally saw this movie, he's like, this was actually a good film. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun Star Wars adventure. Right, yeah. Like, it, it scratches that itch perfectly, and it's well put together. The actors are great. The effects, of course. I mean, yeah. with a budget of $275 million, you know it's going to look good. I watched this movie. Uh, Ron Howard is uh, is a heck of a director. Yeah. I mean, you can't right. fault him. It's it's. I mean, it's a well... Yeah, put- it, you're right, though. It, it was just too much negative buzz because of the yeah. issues in production. And, and I think that the marketing was terrible. And, I, and I'm wondering if that's because they spent so much like refilming... That they just yep. didn't have the budget that they would. They might have, have had to cut. That's a. You might be onto something there. Also, the fact that it was only three months after Episode Eight is that right? Last Jedi, and then it was it was uh, Last Jedi was December. Yeah, it was, came out in. It was a weird schedule. Yeah, it was probably May. Yeah, it was May. Yep. So five months later, still, and the Last Jedi obviously was divisive among right. fans on the internet, at least. So all of those things together just led to a lackluster performance unfortunately so apparently like when you look at the numbers it's one of those weird things the the budget will never know but i'm sure it blew up once they had to get ron howard and they had to reshoot everything it's estimated to be like 275 million like i said but it only grossed 
393. So even if you say that's about $400 million, which is obviously significantly more than 275, they say when you account for marketing and you double the budget, um, it ended up losing probably close to $200 million, if not more. And that is something that is well, and it's, it's a unforgivable real shame. for a Star Wars movie. It's a real shame, though, because, I, I mean, I feel like this movie was better than Rogue One. Really? I, uh, I, I don't know if I would go to there. I'm looking forward to rewatching Rogue One. I, I am, too. I'm not saying that I disliked Rogue One. I'm just saying I think I enjoyed this movie more. I don't know. Yeah, and... Rewatching it just just now, I I think I liked it even more than I did before. Yeah. Like it's grown on me even more. Yeah, I watched this movie and I'm like, this is what the future of Star Wars could be. It, it's, yeah, it's just these it's, great self-contained stories of characters right. you love. It's and, super fun and it was exciting. Um, the the actors I thought did a great job, and it had Chewie in it. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I was I was thinking about it. Is this the first? Star Wars movie or first Star Wars media that doesn't involve lightsabers? No, we went through this already. Paul <laughs> has a saber at the does end. Does feature a lightsaber? Spoiler yeah, alert! Yeah, but I mean, with the force. But I mean, like that's true. They have to show at least ge- one. In general, like in the in the force wasn't really used at all, unless right. well, 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 unless well, you well, buy I'm into Han being force sensitive. I am buying into that straight. more and more every day. <laughs> yeah. By the way. I'm talking straight, like, literally, you know, wave your hand around to do force powers kind of thing. Right, like Jedi doing the force. Yeah, there's none of that. But that wasn't a heavy part in the original Maul uses it at the end. He pulls his lightsaber. He does. does. It's the one scene. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah, there's not even much, there's not even much, like, mention or discussion of the force in this movie. Right. Which is different. But it was good, because it helps explain why... It's kind of this mysterious thing in the original trilogy right. Right. That, nobody, exactly. that nobody really is familiar with. Yeah, yeah. So you can have a Star Wars movie and or TV show that's not heavily revolved around the Force. Right, and it will be a failure, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm joking. That's not connected in any way, I don't think. No, no. It was... I felt like this movie was very much a space western. Oh, yeah. Comparative. I mean, there was literally a train heist. So yes. Yeah. Exactly. It was. It was interesting watching it with my kids because it's not as straightforward with who's the good guys and who's the bad guys. You know what I mean? You don't have like the Empire that Darth Vader is obviously evil. Everyone who works for him is evil. They kill a lot of people for no good reason, and then you have the good guys. There was a lot of questions throughout this for my kids. Like, is is she good? And it's like, well, she's. Because there's all these like blurred lines and gray yeah, area. Like, wait, these people are friends, but then they're not friends. And yeah, what? right. But that's kind of one of the themes of the movie too: is figuring out you know, what is a good person, what is a good guy. There's right. that great line. But I might be the only person in the whole galaxy who knows what you really are. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? You are the good guy. And that's and there, there was a scene in the movie that I wanted to point out. I didn't notice it initially when they're making their big escape, right? And everything's gone crazy. They're, they're trying to load the coaxium onto the ship, it's all right. and Chewie's you know loading the I'm barrels up. All right. And then Lando goes to save L3. Lando gets shot, and Han he decides he's going to go out and save Lando. Damn it. 
And Chewie sees this, and that's when the other Wookiee says, like, alright, we're leaving, let's go. Come, come with me. And Chewie's like, no, I gotta stay with this guy. Because I think in that moment, Chewie realizes, wait a minute, he's a good guy. Yeah. I need to stick with him. Yeah. Because he realizes, like, he doesn't even like Lando. But he's gonna save him. Like, Lando cheated him out of the ship. Right. He cheated in cards, but when his life's on the line, Han's gonna go help him, because he's a good person. Yeah. I, I do like that whole dynamic, kind of setting that up, but then also setting up like Han's perception of himself, because his response to Kira was, I am not the good guy. I am definitely not the good guy. I'm a terrible person. Because he's, he's like fooling himself his whole life, trying to be a scoundrel. Right. Because that's all he, that's how you survive, is right. just by getting one up on. And then, you know what? He does have to shoot first and, uh, yeah, right. He he kills Beckett, but it's it's kill or be killed. Well, yeah, you know? that's that's the thing. He's living in this world trying to be a good person, and and that's why the rebellion was was so important to him. I mean, he needed that uh, lifeline to kind of pull him out of this life and truly be a good guy. It's a it's a great pre. It really is. It does a great job of setting up the character, being true to the character. You know. Yep. Yep. I agree wholeheartedly. I do want to talk about some other stuff that is in the movie that I noticed rewatching. Yeah. I think yeah. that I kind of started to think that some of the Easter eggs or tie-ins almost felt a little bit forced rewatching it at, at some point. Yeah. And yeah. No, that was a big complaint about yeah. this movie. I mean, I'm not, it doesn't really bother me, but I did definitely notice, like the first time I watched it, I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. Teres Kasi is in this. That's cool. That's <laughs> yeah, not a throwback. It's that, only people who have played those video games back then know about that. Like 90% well, right. of the people who see this movie don't no, know, I know or but, care. But they make right. a specific mention of like, oh, what was that? Oh, it was Teres Kasi. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. For me, it was it was more like, I think this is just the first time watching it. It was more just the, the stuff directly related to Han Solo. Like his name, his blaster, the Millennium Falcon, Chewbacca. Han shot first. All this stuff. It almost felt like they had a checklist and they were just like, yeah. put this in, this in, this in. Whereas like, you know, some of this stuff could have came in later. Maybe he didn't get the blaster the same time he was introduced to the Falcon and Chewbacca. Maybe that didn't all happen in a three-day span, you know? It could, it could have been spread out a little more. But at the same time, it doesn't really bother me. Um, right. I don't right. see it as an, as an issue, honestly. I, I mean... I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like I agree with that necessarily. I, I don't think it was too much. I agree at all. I think they well, set off to do what they wanted to do, and they did it. And it wasn't in your face. It wasn't like no, they were slapping like, you in the face. Yeah, like, Ooh, with this Easter is a cool blaster. Anything. I think I'm going to hold on to this for a while. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're right. I mean, and it was. And again, it's like if somebody isn't well versed, like probably most people, you know, alive don't know. <laughs> Han, what Han's blaster looks like compared to a different one. It's true. <laughs> when he's thrown that gun, they would just think, oh, he got a gun now. Okay. I guess. And it's like, no, no, no. That's a DL-44. That is Han Solo's blaster, right. you fool. And it Don't came. See? He got it from the guy he ended up shooting. So, yeah. It's, it's, With it's, it, yeah. It's a good yeah. Deal. Serves him right. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess just knowing all the random Star Wars facts that I know, it was in my face yeah. because right. I was like, oh, right. It's that. Like, I yeah. know it. So, I would pick up on it. Yeah. And some of the there's some great musical cues around those like those like classic iconic moments where right. um, I feel like that's when you hear the main theme. Yeah. 
Han sees the Falcon for the first time. And it's yeah. just like, Star Wars, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Just, then, yeah, almost just like in Force Awakens when they see the Falcon and do the Rebel fanfare. Yeah, Rebel you know. fanfare, yeah. My favorite is when, when Han's flying the ship in the Kessel Run. Music there is awesome because yeah. they pull yeah. back like the Here They Come, which is one of my favorite musical cues. Asteroid Field music. But then when Chewie sits down next to him as his co-pilot, what do you hear? Mm-hmm. The main theme again. There it is. This is Star Wars. Here it is, baby. <laughs> Chewie. That was a great scene. Yeah, that whole the thing. The Kira was like, uh, what do I do? And then she was just like, oh, what? I Okay, I'm, I'm taking over. Like, this is yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know the hu- the humor was great, too. Like, the, you know, the little cracks about Chewbacca's name and his age. And, yeah, you know, I right. Just, <sighs> yeah. There's some Easter eggs that they don't mention at all in the movie, and they talk about it in the book that I thought was um, pretty interesting. Like, uh, Han Solo's jacket is made of Nerf leather. So <laughs> Okay. <laughs> That comes into the whole uh, Nerf Herder Is this thing. the novelization or like the, the, the yeah, encyclopedia the novel- book? Oh, okay. The novelization. Or like uh, Weasel, Warwick Davis's character. Oh, was, we, yeah, yeah, we mentioned that. Warwick Davis's character is actually the same, same guy. Same character in Emphy's Nest's gang. Yeah, that's the character that he From played episode in one. episode one at the yeah. pod race. Okay. That was yeah. Davis. But now he actually got some lines. This is probably the biggest role he had in some ways, because he's showing his face his and face. speaking. Your plan is underway, Emphis. We've attached the homing beacon. They won't elude us now. Good. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, and um, one of the Saw's crew in Rogue One is also part of Emphis Nest's Nests. Yeah, two tubes. Tubes yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. an alien with the tubes coming out of his bottom of his face. Yeah, and the dice. You know, got to mention the dice. They made a real big deal about those. Yeah, which yeah. they hadn't until Last Jedi, really. Because I never even yeah, that was a cared deep about cut them for fans. Them. Yeah, right. No, yeah. yeah, you could only see them. They, I mean, they've been the dice have been dangling there since the original filming of Star Wars um, in 1977, but you could barely see them. And then they brought him back and, you know, made him significant in The the Last Jedi, so they tied him into this. I don't think anybody was sitting there and being like, oh, man, I really want to know about those dice. Yeah. To most people, it would be The the Last Jedi dice, not the the original trilogy. And that's that's when those became popular. I'll be honest, I've got a pair hanging from my car's rearview mirror, but... They only Nerd. came out because of because of the Last <laughs> Jedi and Solo. Otherwise, they would have never right. been made. Right. I don't want to shortchange the Woody Harrelson character Beckett. I think I liked him even more watching it this time. Yeah. I, yeah. I just feel like Woody Harrelson knocks it out of the park every movie by being Woody Harrelson. I don't know <laughs> yeah. how he does it, yeah. and I don't mean that like as like he just he can do these characters where it's just like it's him but it's like the star wars version like he makes it work right. in like any setting yeah it's just like you just put woody harrelson in and he then he pulls it off i have this heart move kid for once i would have killed you 
Uh, he was, he was like, yeah, he worked, he worked great in that role. He's like Han Solo, but if he actually was a bad person. <laughs> right. It does make it kind of hard to go back and watch Cheers again, though. What? Well, that's, yeah. Get ready for Carnage. Oh, yeah, I was just, just about <laughs> well, to say, let's see how he does in that. I think Beckett is an example of what Han could be if he continued to live that life. Yeah, and let it, like... And let it oh, yeah. change him. Ruin him. Yeah. Because, I mean... He aspired to it. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that was mostly his... It was actually, like, his goal. Right, but he couldn't... He couldn't let it go of doing good things for people, though, so... Of course not. All right, let's, let's talk a little more about the return of Darth Maul. Because that was, like, the biggest... And strangest, unexpected twist. Yeah, I can think of in a Star Wars movie. I, obviously, I was too young for "I Am Your Father," so for for me, this was the biggest, I think, uh, unknown but did, twist. But uh, did but we to know like hardcore fans? It makes sense. Yeah, because right, because you knew he was alive. That he gets into the crime, right. you know, crime syndicates and whatnot. Yeah, we knew he was con- controlling Crimson Dawn, right beforehand. No, yes. not even. It, I, it was, thought so. I thought so. I thought, I thought that was in that Clone was the Wars. name of it in Clone Wars, yeah. No, it's not Crimson Dawn in Clone Wars. I gotta look it up. It's not Black Sun, is it? No. Shadow Collective, okay. I think. That's Ron what he Howard, in Clone Wars. Ron Howard fought to have his appearance in the movie because his son absolutely adored Darth Maul. And his son is like 30, but like... <laughs> And Ron Howard's like, yeah, he's a really cool character. Let's, I, I really want to put him in the movie. So eventually they let him put him in in that little stinger there, setting that whole thing up. But I honestly didn't think that they were going to do a Solo 2 where Han Solo fights Darth Maul or, or anything like that. I, no, well, no they, they'd never come face to face. Well, the thing yeah. I picked up on that it's explained by Enfys Nest that the... That village on Savarine. Is it Savarine? That's the yeah. planet where they have to yeah. get the quacks and refine. Yeah. Where yeah. nobody speaks. Mm-hmm. Cut out all their tongues. That's what happened. If it was it was the beginnings of Crimson Dawn that did this to these people. It's Darth Maul. And then when you see that, it's like, oh yeah, he's the type of guy who would do that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That 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 fits. But that, so now there's like there's more stuff to fill in. I mean, how do you not how do we not see that? Darth Maul has become such an iconic animated character now through Clone Wars. I feel like and his his reappearance in Rebels too, I feel like we need we need to see that we need to see Maul building this this criminal organization. Yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe not. Maybe it's not necessary. But spoiler: Crimson Dawn is coming around in the comics now. I heard that. As far mm-hmm. as sequel hopes, yeah, there. So yeah, we're probably not going to see a feature film sequel to this. But Disney Plus is firing on all cylinders. I feel like. Young Han Solo would make a great show. Like, you just, every episode, there's some adventure waiting to happen. I don't know. I mean, it might be. Yeah, there's, there's still like, even if it was seven, just, seven years to fill there. So. Yeah, even if it was just like a limited series, that would be great to see well, right. Alden uh, and Chewie. I have a feeling that we might maybe see that in flashbacks in the Book of Boba Fett. And, that could happen. And oh, talk about their rivalry. The, there's also the Cassian Andor series, right? Which takes place 
obviously before a new hope it's going to be somewhere in this time yeah, frame and if they cross and paths. he he might cross paths with some criminal syndicates you know he's he was kind of like a black ops operative like rebel spy sort of uh dealing in the seedier side of the galaxy yeah i could see him maybe even running into maul i mean who knows you could see maul in uh the cassian andor or kira or even han so i get there has been some buzz about amelia clark like writing backstory for Akira or something, or talking more about wanting to explore Akira. So I'm wondering. Well, if- that, that probably came up recently because spoiler, I haven't even read it yet, but I stumbled across it. Yes, uh, K- Kira reappears in this the comic book event they're doing now, the War of the Bounty Hunters. Oh, okay. Which uh-huh. takes place after Empire Strikes Back. So now we're talking between episodes oh, wow. six and or five and six. Right. Uh, Kira is alive and kicking and mm. still part of the Crimson Dawn, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I haven't read it yet, so I gotta, you know, I'm spoiling it for myself at this point. You should read it, though. No, but she's around. Yeah, yeah. She's still around. But I, I just wonder if they're kind of kicking around an idea of like doing a, a limited series with her or something in the future. Well, I, at this point, I honestly wouldn't, I don't put it past Disney, Lucasfilm, whatever. When they put out this like obscure comic book thing with this character in it, they're watching the internet to see. All right, no, yeah, how does, it, how does this go? I, I, I fully believe that if she tweets something about this too, it's the same kind of thing. It's all just like to gather data to see if there would be enough interest. Uh, yeah, we're living in an age of like literal fan casting for characters. Like it, right. It's happened. Yeah. Movies, movies, and and actors have been greenlit. Because of the push of the fan community, so anything's possible. Really, and sometimes those those calls are actually better than anybody else they could have picked. Sometimes, and is, is how I feel. Yeah. And then these same fans complain about too much fan service in a movie. <laughs> I know that's true. It's like no one would even. You're the only one who would notice it. Obviously, we're putting this in for you, and you have the audacity to complain about it. Right. <laughs> you're you're welcome. I'm I'm one of those people, so I you know pot calling the kettle black, I guess. But yeah, I was definitely not complaining about it earlier. Just just yeah, to okay, set the record uh-huh. straight. I don't know what you're talking about. Han didn't shoot first, anyway. In A New Hope, McClunky. <sighs> That's true. He didn't even give Greedo the chance. All right, I guess we got into everything there. Yeah. Overall, the music was good, right? I know. I almost want to rewatch it and really like I've listened to the soundtrack or whatever, but. It's just all those classic themes are just like weaved in like really quickly. I noticed like this, just like you get a quick yeah. little tease of it, and then it goes back yeah. into the score. John Powell did a good job. Yeah, thanks to in large part what John Williams kind of set up for him. Well, sure, because even the the main hunt though. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, Mike Tyson's here, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the main theme, or Han Solo's. I think there's a name for it. Adventures of Han Solo. Adventures of Han. That was written by John Williams, and it became kind of the light motif. Yeah, yeah, it's it's set up those motifs that were used by John Powell for much of the movie. So you're saying that even the music in this movie was a fan service? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) that's kind of how it is with all of the Star Wars (laughs) movies. So the the track on the soundtrack 
for the uh, beginnings of the Kessel Run, when, when Hans starts flying that Falcon. It's actually called Reminiscence Therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, by the way, that scene, you'll notice Millennium Falcon being chased by TIE Fighters. Got to get that in there. <laughs> right. and, and the uh, satellite dish breaks off. Breaks off, well. you're right. <laughs> it's also fun to see the interior all perfectly white and clean and then yeah like well, seven and years they, later and they kind of give it a backstory because han's like oh yeah my father used to build these in the factory in corellia which was which i thought was kind of cool well i think the fact that they use corellia as a shipyard again was um was neat i, I like that yeah corellia looked industrial like it just it just fit perfectly as yeah. like an industrial factory city in star wars well, and did you notice know. the reference to the coronet spaceport there's a starliner leaving from coronet spaceport we're gonna be on it yes <laughs> back to our yeah. star wars galaxies days i was just <laughs> about to say it re- that whole scene just reminded me of star wars galaxies boring conversation anyway Noticing there's a deluxe version of the soundtrack. Yeah, it's recent. Has like I, the whole underscore in it. Last last year, huh? I gotta check that out. I wish they would do that for all the movies. Why haven't they just done that? Because there's a Phantom Menace one that's literally just minute by minute the whole right. movie. Just the, and then the Last Jedi, you can get it in visual form because there's the the score only version of that movie. Which where do you is that on the DVD or something? It's it's on Disney Plus. If you go to yeah. bonus or extras, or oh, whatever, oh. You just go like all the way to the end. There's a ton of stuff. But so there, there, there you have it. Solo. Yeah. If you were one of the people who didn't go see Solo in the theater, how dare you? And then if you saw it after that, I'm sure you were pleasantly surprised. Let us know <laughs> yeah. your feelings I did, I, by emailing us. I do remember <laughs> I seeing for, for months after this movie. Possibly even years, seeing people online be like, finally got around to watching Solo. I thought it was pretty great. Yeah, everybody who saw it yeah. thought it was right. pretty yeah. good. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not enough people saw it because they were burnt out or exactly. who knows what. It's silly. Tell us your story. W-O-R-R-T-S, warts and all at gmail.com. Also, warts and all on Twitter and Instagram. All right, next week, what's in store, Ben? Yeah, so join us next week as we do a continuation of the Aliens and Creatures episode we did from the past as we talk about more Aliens and Creatures. Thanks for listening. The Force will be with you, always. Three weeks in a row now. Bill is officially given up. I got nothing.